0: In August of 1989, I brought my future wife home to Kansas to meet my family and friends. Nancy and I had been dating since August. I had met her family, but she had not yet met mine. I was pretty sure in my heart that she was the one. I was planning on telling her that I loved her, and I was certainly hoping that she would respond in kind. But I was nervous about her meeting my family, not because I was embarrassed of her. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. She's smart. She's just incredible. And not because uh, I was worried about my family. They're not really intimidating. They're pretty welcoming people. Maybe a little weird, but you know, good, good people. But I was nervous because I so desperately wanted them to see in her what I saw in her. I wanted them to appreciate her, to love her as, as I did. And so I was a little nervous about that. Well, you know how it ended up because Nancy and I have been married for over 31 years. And my friends and family just think she's incredible. She's one of the best things that's ever happened to me. When you introduce someone special, somebody who's important to you, you want to get it right. You, you, You want to do your best that they see in that person what you see, that they respond to that person the way... That you respond. Around 65 AD, there was a man who introduced somebody very special and very important to him. Spoiler alert, the special person was Jesus. And before we look at how this person introduced Jesus and how we can learn to do the same to introduce Jesus to other people, let's introduce him. His name was Mark, John Mark. Sort of like James you know, Bond, James Bond, you know, Mark, John Mark. And, and what we know about Mark was he had missionary experience. He traveled with Apostles Barnabas and uh, with Paul. Um, we, we, many people believe that he was with Jesus on the night when Jesus was betrayed before he went to the cross. Uh, we'll see later in, in our study of, of Mark why people think that. Um, but he, he wrote this Gospel of Mark, which we're going to be focusing on um, from now up until Easter. So kind of get ready for that. So this morning, we're starting off. We're on the starting line, on your mark, ready, set, let's go. Now, we learn from Mark how to introduce Jesus. We tell people who Jesus is. We introduce Jesus by telling people what sets Jesus apart, what makes him unique, what makes him different. Now, Mark is the shortest of the four Gospels. It's the earliest one written. Most people believe it was 25, 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, that it was composed. And because it's the shortest, it's it's very succinct. It gets right to the point. Verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah. Now, this would have been a radical statement. This would have been a, a, a jarring statement for John Mark to write. Because the, the ancient world was awash with religions. Every nation, every people group had their own god or in most cases, gods, plural. Not much different from today. Like for example, in India and the surrounding environs, the the overly predominant religion is Hinduism. And Hinduism has three hundred and thirty million Gods. Other nations and other countries around the world are predominantly maybe Muslim or or Buddhist. Israel is Jewish. And there are many other religions with their own gods. But what sets Jesus apart? What makes Jesus different? Well, the Bible tells us he's the one true God, the Son of God, actually God. And when you compare Jesus to other religious world leaders... No other leader of a world religion ever claimed to be God. Buddha doesn't. Muhammad doesn't. Others say they point the way to God or gods, but Christianity says Jesus is God. All religions, despite what some people say or want to believe, are not the same. In the four Gospels of the Bible, Jesus himself claims to be God. Several places he'll say something like, Who do you say that I am? And he'll, you know, and he'll let people know, oh, well, I am, or I'm the Son of God, or I'm the Messiah. I'm God in the flesh. No other world religion claims that. What does God himself say about Jesus? Look at verses 9 through 11. In Mark 1. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. I've read some critics who say that this idea of Jesus as divine is something that was was kind of made up later. The early Christians didn't really believe that. That over time it just kind of was formulated in, into a doctrine, a central doctrine, um, you know, 100, 200 years, maybe longer after, you know, after Jesus lived and died and rose from the dead. It was it was kind of happened at some councils with a bunch of theologians talking and this and that. But I would say in response to that, have they read the New Testament? Oh, why were the early Christians persecuted by the Roman Empire? I mean, other religions were tolerated and assimilated the reason the christians in the early church were persecuted by the romans was because they said jesus was different he was set apart that he truly was god that he was god crucified and risen and their loyalty was to him and him alone not to the state have they heard about Christian martyrs who went to their deaths because they believed with all their hearts that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the Son of God? C.S. Lewis famously said that Jesus was either a liar, a lunatic, or a lord. That Jesus was either lying about who he was, he was crazy as a loon, or he was, in fact, the Lord, the Son of God. And when you read the Gospels, Jesus does not come off as a liar. I mean... The early Christians wouldn't have died for something they knew was a lie. And when you read the Gospels, Jesus does not come off as a lunatic. His teaching is powerful and profound. His stories still resonate. His parables still inspire. His wisdom still rings true. So that leaves the option of Lord. And John Mark clearly believes that Jesus is the Son of God, the Lord himself. And he goes out of his way to point out something in the beginning here. And he goes to the Old Testament for it. Verse 1 again. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So Mark here, he's quoting from Isaiah 40. This is one of 300 plus different prophecies in the Old Testament that speak of Jesus' birth, his life, his ministry, his betrayal, his death, his resurrection. What's Mark doing here? He's establishing Jesus' credentials. This is who he is, and this proves who he is. Like when you introduce a a person of prominence, you're introducing the CEO of a company or maybe a famous athlete, president of a university. What do you do? You say, this is so-and-so, and then you list their credentials. This is why you should listen to this guy. This is why you should listen to this gal. Mark is establishing Jesus' credentials. He tells us that Jesus is the chosen one, the son of God, and that the proof comes from the prophecies. That Jesus is the fulfillment of these prophecies. This is all planned out in advance. And now, now is the time prophesied about. How do you introduce Jesus to others? We tell them who he is. We tell them what sets him apart. What makes him different? What else do you do in introduction? Well, if you're introducing a speaker at a conference or maybe, say, a class, you tell them who the person is. Then you tell them why they've come. What can they do for you? What can they teach you? So for example, say Bill is coming to K-State Slyner, Kansas West. And he's gonna teach a class. You introduce him, this is Bill Snyder, Hall of Fame coach, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and he's gonna teach you about leadership so you can be a better leader. He's gonna teach you about teamwork so you can be a better team player. Now notice, you know, I'm a KU fan. I did this just so I do have not have any bias, okay? No bias. When we introduce Jesus to others, we tell them what he came to do, what he's done for us, and what he can do for them. Let's look again at Mark 1, where we find an interesting character who helps us see what Jesus came to do. Verse 4. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Can you picture it? Scads of people, hundreds of people, flocking to the Jordan River because they want to be cleansed of their sins. They want to be baptized and cleansed of their sins. What's John doing? He's he's preparing people. To meet Jesus. He's preparing them to receive Jesus, to, to respond to Jesus. He calls them to repentance and baptism. Why? For the forgiveness of their sins. He's telling them the Messiah is coming. He's coming to deal with your sin. He came to earth to deal with your sin problem. You know, so many people seem to carry around guilt and shame and regret. I mean, we all have err things we regret, feel guilty about, you know, you know, we just we just tend to do that and it seems like it's worse than ever in our world. People just carry it around and it's a weight, sort of like, you know, those weighted vests that you use when you want to work out and really push yourself or or the weighted uh, ankle bracelet you put on that really kind of pulls, it it it, it makes it harder, uh, it it kind of weights you down, makes it harder to move around and get places. It just kind of, you know, Sin, guilt, shame, regret, it's kind of like that. The emotion of it, the the guilt of it, it it pulls us down. What do we do with it? Well, we can ignore it. Print it in, it happened. We can justify it. Well, I don't know that's really the wrong thing. Or we can kind of self-talk and rationalize. Well, it's not that bad, can't change the past, just got to move on. We can, we can try to, uh, to just keep ourselves busy, distract ourselves. We can medicate, self-medicate, just to, we don't have to think about it, feel that. The world does not have a helpful answer for, for shame and guilt and regret. In fact, the world seems to make it worse. The world often will not let us forget. I mean, think, what about cancel culture? People lose jobs over things that they tweeted Recorded 10, 15 years ago when they were an immature teenager. There are always things in our lives we like to change or remove or, or forget. And we deal with them the best that we can, but the weight, it's still there. And we yearn for a way to start over, a way to get clean, a way to be made clean. And Jesus came so we could be made clean and forgiven of our sin. How do you introduce people to Jesus? You give in by telling them what sets him apart, who he is. And then you tell them why he came, what he can do for them, and what he did for you. But it has to move on from that. It can't stop there. When you look in the Gospels and Jesus offers a lot of things. He offers us peace with God and with each other. He offers us hope for today and tomorrow. He offers us love and acceptance. He offers us healing. He offers us freedom from the things that pull us down and we struggle with. He offers us life, abundant life now, but life eternal forever. The hope of heaven. But all those things hinge upon something. All those things follow something. When you introduce people to Jesus, you have to tell people how to respond. Think of it this way. Suppose you're in really bad shape physically. I know nobody here knows what that's like. But suppose you are, and you want to do something about it. So you hire a trainer. Let's call him John Smith. And John Smith... Whips you into shape. Best shape of your life. You look great. You feel great. You have muscles where you never had them before. You have washboard abs. You, your cardio is incredible. You can run for miles. You're flexible. You feel 20 years younger. Never felt so good. Like a new person. And you want your best friend to experience what you have. To feel how you feel. To know what you know. So you arrange an introduction to John Smith. You say, hey, this is John Smith. This is what he can do for you. He can get you in the best shape. You can be a new person. This is what he's done for me. If it ended there, would you have met your goal? No, you want them to sign up with John Smith. You want them to respond and sign up for class. You want them to follow his lifestyle changes that he recommends. You You want... you, you want them to follow his instructions because you want them to become a new person like you. How do you introduce people to Jesus? You tell them how to respond. And in verse five, these people are coming in droves to hear John preach. To hear what message? Repentance. Repentance is what? It's it's a call to moral transformation. It's a change of direction. It's a one eighty. You're headed this direction, doing things, living a life that you regret in some ways. You're living for yourself. And you turn around. You walk away from those things. You walk to better things. You walk to Jesus. You live for Jesus. And John, he knows his job is to prepare people to meet Jesus. So look at verse 7. And this was his message, John's message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop and untie. I baptize, baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, John's not a salesman trying to sell something by telling people what they want to hear. This is not a you know kind of positive thinking message. He's more like a, a good doctor who tells you the seriousness of your condition. This is reality. This is reality. This is this is this is what's happening physically for you. If you don't change, Your lifestyle. If you don't stop doing this and you don't start doing this, if you don't change direction down the road, there'll be consequences. It could lead to your death. John is saying, Listen, people. The one who comes after me is holy. I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. He's God, he's holy. We are not. We're sinners, and the wages of sin is death, and we need to make changes. We need to repent. We need to be baptized because we have a lot to be forgiven. We have a sin problem, and He's the only solution. He's the Son of God, come to forgive our sins. Now, this message didn't make John popular with the religious leaders. Notice where He's preaching the wilderness. He's not at some religious conference in Jerusalem speaking to a big crowd. He's not in a synagogue. He, maybe he was invited there, started there, but he's not welcome back. Because his message tweaks, it pokes, it convicts, stirs things up. He's also, on top of that, a kind of a odd duck, you know, camel hairs, clothes, a leather belt, eating locusts and wild honey. What's the difference between wild honey and tame honey? I don't know. So, But he's and he probably got long hair, long beard, Probably doesn't smell real good. But John is saying going to synagogue, that's not good enough. That's not going to make you ready for the Messiah. You need to repent from the lifestyle you're living. The Messiah is coming. That's a tough message to preach. People don't want to hear that, but people we we need we need to hear it, don't we? Repent and be baptized. Confess and follow. Turn. And trust. you know I'm sure each one of us here who are Christians have friends or family who are far from God, and if you do, I know you desperately want them to meet Jesus. You know, Mark begins his book by telling us how to introduce Jesus. Tell them who he is, tell them what he's done for you, what he can do for them, Tell them how they can respond. You can do that. You can introduce people to Jesus. Jesus' last words on earth were, go into the world, make disciples, baptize people in my name, teach them what to do, teach them how to follow me, introduce me to people. You can do that. I I want you to do that. This week I want you to pray and ask God to give you the name of a person who's far from God. You can do that. I I want you to pray for an opportunity to talk to that person about Jesus. You can do that. I, I want you, when the opportunity comes, to tell them who Jesus is. Tell them why he came, what he's done for you. Tell them how they can respond. You can do that. I mean, think back to the time when you first came to faith in Christ, when you first met Christ, when you first understood who he was, what he could do for you, um, how much he loved you when you responded. Remember your baptism? Remember how publicly you declared your commitment to the Lord? Do you remember? Don't you want that for somebody else? If you're a Christian, somebody introduced you to Jesus. Jesus. You can do that. You can introduce people to Jesus. Tell them who He is. Tell them what He can do for them, what He's done for you. Tell them how to respond. Repent, receive, trust after you've turned. You can do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we thank you that you loved us so much that you introduced Jesus to the world. That you sent him as one of us to answer the problem we have, the mortal problem we have with sin. We thank you that through Jesus, we can be forgiven We thank You that Jesus is the chosen one set apart from any other God or gods. We thank You that we can have life and be made a new person, better than ever, when we come to Him. Lord, help us to have the courage and the clarity, the confidence, Lord, and the power to introduce Jesus to other people. We can do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen.